Thanks for joining us in the spring of 2022 for the Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, Brother Mark Clements is going to guide us through the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The nation of Israel, while far from perfect, demonstrates for the Bible student God's high standards for his people, how we fail miserably at meeting those standards, and finding grace in Jesus. So grab your copy of the Adult Study Guide or your Bible and study along with Brother Mark. Today's lesson is entitled, The God of Israel, from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 12. The application is, the student will learn of the one true God who is a God of love and desires love in return. Seeking the Context When the Apostle Paul wrote to thank the church at Philippi for supporting him and to give a report, he reminded the readers that while he had gained much in terms of privilege, education, and zeal, he had counted everything as rubbish for the sake of simply knowing Christ. Paul had given his life for the advancement of the gospel, and one would correctly assume he knew Jesus quite intimately. Even so, he admitted that as much as he had come to understand about God through study and experience, he still had not reached full spiritual maturity. Paul knew that no matter how much he grasped about God, there was still so much more to know. So he vowed to keep pressing on until Christ called him home. Philippians 3, 4-14 If we are wise, we will conclude the same as Paul about our own spiritual growth. We can study through our Bibles year after year, but we will always find there is always room for growth into spiritual maturity. Truthfully, as long as we wrestle with our fleshly nature, we will find ourselves in need of more and more of God's presence. Israel had experienced the presence of God in ways every other nation could only imagine. He walked with them and talked with them, miraculously providing their needs and protecting them from danger. Before Moses finished his earthly course, he took time to remind the people of God's faithfulness throughout their journey from Egypt. In his sermon of encouragement and exhortation, Moses began reiterating the Ten Commandments God had given the people on Mount Sinai. God gave those words in the hearing of the entire assembly, and they became afraid and asked Moses to speak to God alone on their behalf. God honored their reverence and wrote the Ten Commandments down on two tablets of stone for the people, Deuteronomy 5. God was interested in how his people lived because they represented him to the world. The same is still true today. We will be challenged by Moses' words because God is still interested in how we represent him to the world around us. Our commitment to holiness brings many blessings to us and our homes, but it also serves as a showcase of God's glory, which testifies to the world of His goodness. Today, may we accept the challenges issued by Moses as the people of God. Why is it so important to keep learning about God? How do you learn more about Him? Searching the text. Number one, obey the greatest commandment. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Deuteronomy 6, 4 begins what many Jews know as the Shema. Shema is the first Hebrew word of the verse, and it is an imperative, which means to hear with the intent of obeying. 
Pious Jews will recite this prayer often as it establishes and displays the glory of Israel's God. How should the person who hears this be expected to respond? First, the reader is expected to listen and agree with the supremacy and sovereignty of Jehovah. The Lord is one Lord, which means Jehovah is God and there is no other God. He is the only one. In contrast with the polytheism of Egypt and Canaan, Israel was a strictly monotheistic people. They must agree with the exclusivity of Jehovah, supreme above creation and anything else that might be worshipped, who alone deserves the service of mankind. As we read this simple verse, we might be quick to agree with its theology. When it comes to how we live, we sometimes tell a different story. Anytime we give in to the lust of our flesh, we demonstrate to the world that we do not always obey God as our ultimate authority. We might be monotheistic in doctrine, but polytheistic in practice. Jehovah alone is God, who alone is our sovereign. This is the second expectation of the hearer, namely that because Jehovah alone is God, he alone is to be adored with all a person's heart, soul, and strength. Again, this was a command to be heard and obeyed. Moses revealed the next logical step to Jehovah's sovereignty as absolute subservience to him with all a person's being. When Jesus was asked what was the first and greatest commandment, he repeated these verses, Matthew 22, 37, and 38. To be obedient to this command requires that a person make God the target of all his consciousness first and foremost. His heart, or his intentional focus, must be wholly surrendered to God, as must his soul. A person's soul, that is his affections, thoughts, and the essence of his very life, should be inclined toward God, as should his might. A person's abilities, energies, and strength should be exerted in all a manner that exalts the supremacy and beauty of God. Since God is God, he deserves loving devotion springing from the totality of our being. How challenging is it to love God with all your being? Number two, establish God-honoring homes. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Everyone to whom Moses spoke was twenty years old or older when the spies returned from their reconnaissance trip was in a difficult position. They had reacted faithlessly when the spies returned, refusing to enter the promised land because they were afraid of the inhabitants. In their descent at Caleb and Joshua's recommendation, they claimed their children would be prey in the land. God responded by condemning them to die in the wilderness while their children would triumphantly occupy the land of Canaan, Numbers 14, 1-38. This generation had come to the end of their days in the wilderness, and their children were about to lead the charge against God's enemies. But instead of uselessly standing by while they awaited their certain death, Moses gave them a charge to prepare the next generation for success. 
Success for the next generation would come not in the form of battle preparations or physical training, but in their reception, study, and adherence to the Word of God. By God's design, Moses commanded that God's people establish homes in which Jehovah and His Word were highly revered. Moses taught that God-honoring homes would begin when they receive God's Word in thine heart. Deuteronomy 6.6 We cannot expect to see godliness in our families merely through outward behavior modification. True spiritual transformation cannot be legislated, but begins in the heart of believers who receive God's Word by faith. God-honoring homes happen when God's Word is internalized first through faith, reading, study, and meditation on His truth. Next, Moses prescribed that the precepts and principles of God's Word should be transmitted diligently to everyone in the home, including the children. This would happen as the parents of each home would keep God's Word at the forefront of their minds and on the tips of their tongues. He demanded that God's Word be spoken all throughout the day, wherever a person may go, from sunrise to sunset. The God-honoring home would keep God's Word at the forefront of every conversation, even creating visible reminders around the house. Our homes must be places where we intentionally foster the worship and service of God. God's Word must be internalized and expressed by the adults in the home from the beginning of each day until its end. By doing so, we will model godliness for our children and instruct them in the beautiful and authoritative Word of God. Children thus raised will be prepared to enter every battle assured of triumphant victory by the grace of God. Why is it so important to make sure God is honored and served in your home? Number three, commit the future to God. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantedst not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Israel was about to realize the future God had promised 40 years earlier. God would soon lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey, which he had promised to their forefathers. They would move into cities, towns, and homes they did not build, which would be filled with everything they would need for survival. They would drink water from wells they did not dig and enjoy produce from farms they did not plant. All these blessings would be showered upon them by God's grace and their own commitment to following his leadership against their enemies. As Moses asked them to contemplate all the wonderful blessings they would soon enjoy, he challenged them with a warning. Moses urged the Israelites who would enter the promised land to not forget Jehovah. God knew that humans become complacent quite easily. While his people would not likely wipe every trace of Jehovah from their memories, God knew that Israel would be tempted to stop walking in reverential obedience to him. In order to guard against practical amnesia when it came to the worship of Jehovah, Moses warned Israel to commit their future to God through loving obedience. Physical prosperity is liable to produce spiritual complacency.
When we are desperately dependent upon the grace of God for daily survival, our hearts tend to be wholly devoted to Him. But when we have an abundant supply of material goods, we often neglect our relationship with God. Moses' warning to Israel should be heeded by every Christian today. As we anticipate God's provision in the unknown future, we might face extreme conflict or ample comfort. Whatever we may face, we must commit our futures to God. Like the young generation of Israel, which eagerly anticipated God's abundant blessing as they conquered the land and enjoyed the spoils, we should look forward with excitement to what God will do in and through us as we serve Him through His churches. Whatever the future holds, each Christian and each church must be firmly founded upon the truth of God's Word. This way, whether the future holds poverty or prosperity, we will be committed to bringing glory to God by adherence to His Word. Setting the Application Our hymnal, In Spirit and in Truth, has one of my favorite lyrics which describe our tendency to forget our devotion to the Lord. Robert Robinson wrote, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Come thou fount, number 460. God knew his children would be tempted to stray in their spiritual devotion, so he had Moses deliver these reminders. To keep his people from wandering as they prepared to move on their, their journey, God commanded that they love him alone with all their heart, soul, and strength. He advised them to establish God-honoring homes wherein they instructed their children in His Word by meditating on it from sunup until sundown. He warned them to commit their futures to Him as He knew they would be tempted to neglect their worshipful devotion to Him. The answer to our tendency to spiritually stray is our daily surrender to God through faith in Jesus Christ. We give Him our hearts in faith and ask Him to preserve us in His word and will. By the powerful presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit who has sealed us by faith in Jesus, we have everything we need not only to obey God's desires, but also to train up the next generation to bring Him glory. Like the older generation of Israel, some of us may be near the end of our earthly journey. That does not mean we are finished, though. We have an obligation to model biblical living for the younger generations and encourage them to carry on the faith of our fathers. Let us pass the baton to the next generation and cheer for them to advance God's kingdom. What will you do this week to apply your knowledge of God to your life? Thanks for listening to another lesson on the Adult Study Guide podcast. We will catch you next week for another lesson in this great quarter. Until then, join us daily on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org.